Our two unlikely heroes have begun to make a name for themselves amongst the peoples of Thanalan and Lanasia. Having thwarted the plans of the corrupt and the sorceress alike, what started as a set of minor adventurers' duties has woven the threads of their fate into a tapestry far broader and more complex than they could possibly imagine. A tale that begins with another fated meeting with a man in a black mask. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And welcome to Radio Free Heidelin. Yes, your one-stop shop for all things ARR at this point, anyway. Yeah, so we're back after a little hiatus uh, to to get back on the ARR train here. Um, this episode is not going to be covering the first dungeons. Because it turns out there's a little bit of meat between your first little, little adventure and the first dungeons. So we're going to be re- uh, covering MSQ levels 10 through 15. Yeah, a surprising amount of meat, actually. Like, uh, we'd actually kind of forgotten how much there is, like, between, uh, you know, like, level 10 and the actual dungeons. Because there's that whole thing where you gotta go to, like, every home city. Like, it it actually eats up quite a lot of time. Yes. And uh, so we're gonna restart off here. Right where we left off, which is, of course, we are uh, we went back to our adventurers guild person, uh, whether it be Mamodi, Baderon, or uh, the Gridania elf lady, uh, Mother like a, Mion, I believe. Yes, uh, one one of those three, and and you've done your first couple of quests, and so now they're sending you to a new area. In my case, um, Aurelius was sent out to uh, help with some cargo delivery stuff on the Skylift. Now, this is interesting. Um, I, I mostly have no notes on this short little quest chain because it's just go go place delivery thing. Not much of interest actually happens in the quests. But the Skylift itself is an interesting little piece of world building. So the, the, there's a gigantic uh, canyon in, I want to say, middle Lanosia. Um, so fun fact about this gigantic canyon, it, it used to be a road, like a flat road. Then a dragon blew it up, Bahamut exploded it during the calamity. And so oh, that done, guy. Yes. Always blowing stuff up, that guy. And so what they've done is that Limsa Limsa has constructed this gigantic system of stairs, levers, and pulleys into the side of this now gigantic sheer cliff that used to be a road. So that the cargo can still go through it. And I thought that was a very interesting little piece of lore for Lanosia as a region. That is extremely interesting. In fact, that's so interesting, we'll probably talk about it later. Uh, meanwhile, over in uh, over in Thanalan, not really a lot of like new and interesting locations at this point, right? Like, largely, you're still hanging around Horizon. You know, you're, you're still in that little... Uh, that little town way out of the way and uh you're uh, you're helping out you're helping out good old Fufalupa uh who's who's investigating some shady stuff going on with the brass blades all those guys seem above board and normal very very normal in fact so normal that uh you know their commanding officers are you know just uh 
going around and uh, stealing supplies and deliberately, like, uh, attacking caravans and all kinds of things and stealing all of these profits, uh, supposedly... Once again, for uh, for Lord Lollarito, the guy seems to have his fingers in a lot of pies. Yes. Uh, the other thing that happens over in Swift Perch is you have you light a lighthouse. Um, not much interesting happens there. It is a lighthouse run off of a bomb. The Final Fantasy enemy bombs, which are these little—they're basically booze that are on fire, sort of. They're like little orb guys. That's adorable, actually. That's awesome. Um, but so, and, and the the yellow jacket who has you do it says, "Oh well, this bomb must have escaped because its its uh, containment unit was damaged." So she has you take it to the Armorers Guild in Limsa, which is where the the more meaty uh, chain of my quests starts. Yes, uh, my 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 quest sort of uh, meet sort of begins after uh, you and. Fufalupa sort of confronts these uh, these shady, like uh, sort of upper. I almost called them like upperclassmen. That's not how military works. Upper. All these uh, all these senpais. I got it. I got it. God. Uh, all these uh, officers. Yeah, these officers who are just like super shady, and you confront them, and then uh, also this other guy, uh, Leofric, who uh, you met earlier. In this quest chain, he got demoted and uh, sent to this place called Lost Hope, which sounds great, by the way. Great place to go, uh, which is apparently like a refugee camp um, where both the people there and the brass blades assigned to protect them are both outcasts. Uh, they just like send you there if they don't want you to continue being alive, basically. Um, anyway, he, so- he shows up because he's like a pretty cool guy, generally speaking. And uh, it turns out that uh, this guy, Baldwin, who's the, the you know, no good corrupt guy, he's uh, apparently just name dropping Lollarito for the clout. Like, he doesn't actually have any association with him at all. He's just saying this so he can get away with, like, stealing a bunch of shit. Um, so you kick his ass uh, pretty handily and... Then uh, Fufalupa gets to be the new Brass Blade Captain. He gets promoted, which is great. Um, and uh, and then he gives you a special letter uh, that he found in uh, Baldwin's little backpack. Um, but he wants you to give it straight to Mamodi, because apparently it's got some extremely shady implications. And that's and that's where that's where the the actual quest begins. So, on my end. We're we're in the Armors Guild in Limsa Lamensa. And the, 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 the guildmaster Hananza, um, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, uh, says, Yeah, we'll try to get to work on this lighthouse cage thing, but I have a lot of a lot of stuff on my plate. Speaking of, I need you to go and deliver a missive about a shipment to this guy out in uh the Morabi dry docks because I'm not going to be able to get the stuff he needs on time. And so you head to these dry docks and these dry docks are like the, the these are, this is the beating heart of uh, Limsa Lamensa, right? These are, these are the, the shipyards that create Limsa's great fleet. Uh, well, most of which was, if you'll remember from the last episode destroyed during the calamity, 
a lot of a lot of ships were uh, destroyed during Bahamut's big explosion. Yeah, I would, so I would assume those dry docks are pretty important right now, specifically for that reason. Very important right now. And there's a very important ship there that you see as you are introduced to the the dock master Atbrum. Uh, you know, a big row guy, as you are often going to find out here in Lenosia. And he's he's not exactly, uh, you know, he's cordial enough. But he's definitely not someone who trusts super quickly. But he's he, he shows you the victory. This big old ship that is supposed to be the, like, the symbol of, of, of Limsa rising from the ashes and taking its place as the naval power of Eorzea once again. And so this is very this is a very symbolically important ship, and he wants to make it. Um, but there's some guys missing. He's like, I, I have a few of my workers that have gone missing. I'm really hoping this is not some kind of thing tied to those kidnappings I heard were 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 going on, you know. Uh in our last episode we had a lot of talk about the kidnappings that the Serpent Reavers were doing. And so he has to go find this guy, and you find him uh, near a beach with these like gigantic crystal growths. It's like a, it's like a beach, and there are these huge towers of crystal plunging up through the sand. It's a very pretty looking location, but he, however, he is almost dead um, because he was transporting some parts the victory needs uh, to be a complete ship when. There was a horrible freak storm that hit out of nowhere, and uh, he and his cargo were strewn about a, a beach that it, that is home to some some. Is it Kaikern or Kikirn? Uh, I usually pronounce it Kikirn, but uh, I'm not actually sure how you pronounce it. Well, there's some Kikirn scavengers. They're little rat guys. There's some of the myriad shreds of yours here. They're like. You can actually find one in Limsa Lamensa hanging out near the Fisherman's Guild because he likes the fish. Um, yeah, well, there's a, there's a few hanging out. There's one. There's one right by the market board, also, I believe. Yes. Yeah. There are there are a few fine little guys hanging out in Limsa. Um, but these guys aren't so fine little guys. They're they're more of the the scavenger types, and this guy's pretty weak, so he can't really go back there and. And grab his stuff, and so he requests you, the hardy adventurer, to go out there and and grab the parts he needs. Um, and so you you do this, and then you escort this guy back to his boss at Brim, who drops the important information that on the day he says he disappeared, skies completely blue, no storms in the area, and he doesn't think that his boy is lying. Instead, what he comes to the conclusion of is that this is something to do with the Sahagin. Because they, as people of the of the oceans, have, have some magics that let them conjure storms. And so he thinks maybe this was a Sahagin and Serpent Reaver based attack is uh, is basically what he's 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 saying here. Um then he says, Alright, well we I've got my parts, I've got my boys. I have heard about there's some weird-looking pirates milling about, and they might be trying to attack the victory. So he asks you to go and, and investigate them. You find them up on this cliff overlooking the dry docks. Um, and the captain there, he says some interesting stuff about, like, he wants to get his boy back. He doesn't really talk much about the boat. Um, 
that doesn't seem quite as important to him. But he's he's talking about getting his boy back, his son back, and then he leaves. Uh, so we you, you head back over there, tell tell everyone, hey, uh, the pirates, they were just skulking about. They don't seem to have any real designs yet. But head of security, she has a great name, Grimthoda. That is of, a pretty good name of the Maelstrom, I believe, uh, or maybe she's Yellow Jacket. Um says yeah maybe so but i just recently saw them on the move and i would like to not have them blow up the very symbolically important boat yeah seems, uh, seems like that would be generally bad for pretty much everybody yeah unfortunately they slip by you and you they they ambush the shipyard while while you're away doing something else and so there's a whole there's a whole big battle around and you get a little solo duty here where you're fighting these pirates and trying to stop them from blowing up, blowing up the victory. So the captain you talked to earlier actually turns out to be the, the shipyard leader, Atbrim's father, who feels as though his son is, like, throwing away the legacy of freedom on the high seas by working with the Admiralty and, and building them a boat. Uh, he He is desperate to, like, he wants to go back before all of this Limsa business before all of this. And he wants, he wants to recapture his glory days. And he feels as though the victory is, is an antithesis to all of that represents. Um, and you eventually defeat him and the victory is saved, but he also has a weird letter on his person in strange script. And so Grimthoda asks you to take this to the one person who definitely has all of the, all of the connections required to uh, s- sort this one out, and that is Batteron at the Drowning Winch. Yeah, it turns out these Adventurers Guild types—they've got—they—they uh, they have they have sort of a penchant for receiving and uh, and and understanding the contents of letters. Uh, it seems. I will so, say. I will say before we move on from this because we're done with the the dry docks after this. Um, we have like i really like this little story with atbrim and his dad right i think it's a it's a very nicely told little tale uh i didn't write any bits of dialogue down for it but it, it was pretty good i liked it i like that little section a lot a lot more going on with it than a lot of the previous uh little little quest lines we've gotten in episode one yeah no i i, I feel largely similar i i guess the thing is right with the the Thanalan questline, uh, at least up to up to this point, um, it's it's a lot of just kind of busy work. There's not a lot of like setup for like uh, like a broader spanning plot outside of like um, setting up some some stuff with you know Thancred, setting up some stuff with like uh, this this mysterious charge that Papashan uh, has to sort of take care of. But, uh, but other than that, like, a lot of it's been sort of isolated, right? Like, the stuff with Fufalupa and uh, sort of his aspirations to be the most noble of brass blades uh, is cute. But it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's a very self-contained thing. Yeah, I feel like, I think maybe what the difference is that the, the, the Lanasia quests are maybe a little bit better at conveying the general like what's it like living in lanosia right now like i feel as though there's a lot more stuff going on with like 
how do people feel about Merle Whip? How do people feel about, like, how are people living right now? Like, the stuff with the, um, the, uh, the Skyway, or whatever, the Skylift. Like, there's yeah. a little bit more of, like, here is where this nation is at currently. Yeah, I think they, they, they're, they're trying to kind of get there with, with these quests so far, but I find that it's, it's not conveying like a sense of the state of the realm as it were and it's more of like so far just been what's the state of the brass blades specifically which while important you know it's not it's not really giving you like a sense of like how everybody just sort of in general is doing and how they feel yeah like there's obviously this overarching story with the serpent reavers of the sahagan going on here but there's enough of like other stuff going on that you don't necessarily have to focus in on one faction and it's more about the region as a whole whereas it seems like what's going on here is that they wanted to tell like an intrigue story about the brass blades in particular this one faction in thanalan pretty much and to be fair it's a good faction to pick right the brass blades are uh pretty important factor in like Oldaz's whole deal right because the brass blades are basically a private mercenary army that exists like adjacent to the real army like you have the immortal flames which is like the state-run army that is directly under like the control of the sultana basically whereas the brass blades are like an independent military that is owned by all of the rich people in the syndicate and they kind of like hate each other and they don't really even work together they work like next to each other like they're doing operations and just sort of trying not to get in each other's way it's it's like a very very dumb and complicated house of cards situation yeah so I'm guessing in both in both paths, we bring our letters back to our Adventurers Guild, uh, folks. And I'm guessing that in both paths, it turns out that it is the Sahagan and Amalja, respectively, who wrote these letters. You'd actually be surprised because no, the Amalja, I don't, I don't think the Amalja are involved at all. Actually, um, oh. in the Thanalan quest line, no, it's a completely different thing. I see. Well, now you know what I, what happens when you bring back the letter to Badron. What is what is the letter that you delivered to Mamodi? So the deal with this letter, right, is that it implicates this guy named Owen, and that's not spelled how you think. There's a Y in there somewhere. Um, so Owen here is supposedly a corrupt member of the Sultan Sworn, which is like the royal guard, basically, for the Sultana. Um, and supposedly he has gone and done something real bad. He's stolen something very, very, very important. And he wanted to sell it off uh, with the help of uh, Baldwin, the uh, the corrupt CO guy. Um, so, Modi has you take this letter straight to the Sultan Sworn's like, headquarters office um, up in the, uh, the, the top, the tippy top of Olda. And... Uh, Basically, nobody really thinks that Owen here 
is responsible for this problem because he's just sort of a nice new guy who like definitely wouldn't be capable of orchestrating like this huge theft which was is a pretty big theft uh it was actually the crown of the sultana which is like a very important symbol um of sort of her authority to rule and it's extra bad that this is missing because lately uh sort of the syndicate has been pushing really hard and the only thing that's really keeping the sultana in the amount of power that she has is the fact that the people still largely support her over them uh, but if it turns out that she lost like one of the most important relics of her whole family line people might not trust her very much to you know rule an entire country so it's pretty important that they get this back yes so on my end better on identifies this as sahagan script and he says that you need to give this to the Yellow Jackets, who are the uh, peacekeeping forces of the uh, uh, of Limsa Lamensa. I don't think it's a private army thing like the Brass Blades. I think it's just a different branch. I'm pretty certain they're still run by the Admiralty. Yeah, it, the Yellow Jackets always like seem to me to be kind of like almost like a state-run militia-style thing. Yes, so. You bring it to the Yellow Jackets, and it turns out what this says is they were going to use the attack on the victory as a diversion to raid Swift Perch. Uh, the Reavers and the Sahagan were. And so everyone's like, well, I'm very glad you stopped that uh, that that uh, that raid. Uh, that means Swift Perch is safe. However, as soon as you are there and you're saying that, someone runs in and says, hey... Uh, the Sahagan have just started surging at the South Tide Gate. We need to go there. And so everyone there realizes they're going to try to hit Swift Perch anyway. Like, that, their their first diversion failed, so they're going to do another one, and they're going to try to hit Swift Perch. Of course, we're going to have to split our forces so that the Tide Gate doesn't fall, but that means there will be basically no one left to defend Swift Perch, and the Reavers will just run right through there. And so they send you, they dispatch you and a few other Yellow Jackets to head down there, is what happens. Exciting. Yes. Sort of a sort of a lone defense of the town. And the um, Tide Gate, for those, I, I guess I should say what the Tide Gate is, you don't see it, it's not introduced yet. But the Tide Gate is this gigantic wall that was constructed in, I want to say, Western Lenosia. Um, and... Between between the territories of Lenosia and the Sahagan spawning grounds, uh, which Limsa sort of encroached on and kind of is the reason for this whole situation here. Um, and that that is sort of the, the hard barrier between Lenosia and, and the, the Sahagan there. And so if that breaks down, bad stuff will happen, yada yada, that's the diversion. Yeah, you know, sort of the, the, the armies at the gate sort of deal. Uh, meanwhile, over in Thanalan, uh, the, our, our, our good, our good, good boy Owen, who apparently managed to lose the crown, by the way, because on his first night, uh, that he was supposed to be guarding it, he fell asleep. Well, so the best of us. Yeah, probably, you know, maybe, maybe hit up Mamodi for some, like, some, like, caffeine next time get a nice cup of joe 
but you know it's it's not a good impression on like your fir- your first night guarding something but uh but yeah he's like listen this is my responsibility i gotta go get it back i'm gonna deliver the ransom but i want you brave renterer to come with me um because i i trust you so so yeah you know you 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 get the ransom well he grabs the ransom you don't even know what the ransom is we you just sort of assume it's a lot of money it's not um and uh and you end up going to this big tree which is important but i don't remember exactly why i don't think they explain it here um you have this big tree and uh this is like the meeting spot and these like sort of uh, behooded figures approach you and they're like, ah, yes, do you have, do you have the ransom? And he's like, yes, but they're, uh, but also, you know, oh, you, you brought a guy with you. You can't do that. That's not the deal. The deal's off. But, uh, you know, Owen, of course, doesn't want to, doesn't want to mess up a second time. So he's like, no, listen, just take the ransom, you know, and he, uh, he tosses it at him. It's like this little sack. Uh, of course, what's in the sack is uh is something probably nobody expected which is like a special spice basically the secret ingredient required to summon an entire army of the undead uh which is called the scourge of silda presumably this is what uh Ulda used to completely destroy and wipe from history its uh former sister city uh whoops Whoops, uh, I don't know why you kept that, uh, Anonymo. Well, just Seems, in case. Yeah, you should, pr- you should probably throw that away. Maybe set it on fire. I don't know. Seems like a bad thing to keep around. Um, Bury it somewhere. Far away. In a jar that is chained up. Yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, probably don't put it just in the back of, like, the royal archives or whatever so some random guy can walk in, grab it, put it in a sack, and then try to use it as ransom. You have to imagine these robed guys are like, well, this is great. This is, we were just expecting money. But well, they did specifically better. ask for it, to be fair. However, I, they didn't really expect him to show up with it. Like, they were, they're were, they sort of surprised that he fell for it. Like, they were like, Wow, you're really fucking stupid, huh? Literally, they're just like, you don't even know what this is, do you? You're such a dumbass. Anyway, we're going to summon the army of the dead, not give you the crown, and also take over the city now. Bye. Do you have any... What, what is this like a special faction at all like who are these guys uh i don't they're even like think weird... that they like specifically name them or anything they're just like guys who stole the crown it's weird yeah it's like there's random guys yeah just like it's like th- it's not just three guys right there's actually quite a few of them at the end but i don't believe that they have like a special name uh they're just like these hooded dudes who just want to take over the city um of course uh papa sean is a little bit uh wizened you know he's 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 been around the block a couple of times here so he was he was fully prepared for some kind of nonsense to go down so he shows up with the rest of sultan's war and he's like hey listen we're gonna chase down these guys who are running off with the crown you help me take care of uh these guys so you get into a big solo duty where you're uh you're fighting all these b-robed men yeah and i presume now here's a guess halfway through does your mysterious friend thancred show up to assist you he in fact does because of course uh in 
I believe both of these solo duties, our good friend the Black Masked Sorcerer appears. Yes. So, yeah, halfway through, in my version, of course, it is fighting Serpent Reavers uh, to prevent them from raiding Swift Birch. You and a few other Yellow Jackets are fighting these guys. Then Yishtola shows up to help you, and you manage to defeat them all. And so, after that... You are talking a little bit. So, yeah, after that, you, uh, you, you defeat the pirates and or the robe boys. Um, and then the black masked figure shows back up and I'm guessing summons a gargoyle in both of our paths, right? Oh, yes. Yes, he does. But he also, like, summons a big spooky void cloud to sort of hang over the whole area. And the sky turns purple and it's all very spooky. Um, of course still kind of a chump so uh you know they they go down pretty fast as this figure is dying because you do kick their ass um you know they they are like no how could this be possible no mere mortal should be a match for someone for the paragons and yashtola and mine goes ah the paragons hey eh? well that's that's not good yeah um, thankred's also not exactly a fan of hearing that this guy is a paragon after you, after he has his body has you know exploded into shadows and he's dead, Yashtola tells you that the these paragons are this mysterious faction, otherwise known as the Bringers of Chaos, otherwise known as Asians. Hmm. I can't imagine those guys are going to be relevant for very long. These uh, these mysterious mages who can who can like manipulate the void and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, during this conversation, you let slip that, you know, uh, Yashola is from Charlian. And she's like, well, that's weird. I never told you that. So presumably you have a special gift. Presumably you saw that in a weird flashback that made your head hurty. Yeah. A very similar thing happens with you and Thancred, actually. Uh, though he's a little bit less on the nose about it. He's just like, hmm, interesting. He's like, hmm, yeah, it's, it's weird how you're just always around when, like... Uh, all this shit goes down, huh? That's, uh, that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder why that is. Yashola tells you that the the thread of your fate forms a most interesting tapestry. It most certainly does. You don't even know. You Um, don't even know. Oh, there is one other small detail that's very interesting. Uh, when the Asian sort of dissipates, uh, he leaves behind a purple crystal a a a crystal of darkness perhaps that when you uh, you reach out to touch it it also just sort of thanos snap dissolves away yes yeah it sure does and so yeah your ally bids you farewell and says once again we will meet again i'm sure yada yada so after you touch the crystal which it looks exactly like a crystal of light except evil um you uh, aurelius at least headed back to limsa and everyone wants to gather around and heal the heroic tale of the Battle of Swiftbridge. And I mean everyone, because guess who shows up at Yellowjacket HQ? That's right. It is Admiral Merlwib Blofuswin herself. So How exciting. This you get to meet the president. A, this is a voiced cutscene. Um, for whatever reason, this one is and not the much more important one that comes later. Uh, so let me just, uh, while you explain what happens in your case, and I will, I will look up the voices for this, uh, for this little, little thing here. 
Oh yeah, give them give them a good listen. Um, back in uh, back in Rosie Thanalan, uh, you know we uh, we cleaned up we cleaned up the B Robed men and uh, the Sultan Sworn guy. Uh, you know, Papa Sean and his bros are like, yeah, we did we did a good job. We cleaned these guys up. They were chumps. And then uh, three of them sort of run in from off screen. They're like, oh, we got the crown back. Well, you guys were killing the rest of these guys. Uh, so, so, you know, all all's well that ends well in that case. Uh, you make it back to Sultan's Warren HQ, and uh, you uh, you finally get to meet the Sultana proper. You know, she wants to personally thank the brave hero who kind of saved her bacon and didn't let her have like a colossal gaff in front of the whole country. Um, and she comes in with the head of the army. Uh, this big, huge dude named Raubon. How large is this man? Uh, pretty large. Uh, he looks even larger than normal because, of course, he's sort of juxtaposed by the very tiny Nanamo, um, who adorably likes to uh, to ride around on uh, on his sort of like outstretched elbow. Like he sort of he sort of makes like a little seat with his uh, his forearm. It's it's pretty cute. Um, Wonderful. Now, the voices are <laughs> interesting. So, yes. Um, so, we'll just go down here. Nanamo, in English, is voiced by, uh, let's see, is this Haley Alexander? Why are there three people under this? That's strange. That is very strange. I wonder if there was uh, there was like a temporary voice at some point. There might be. Um, and Aaron Fitzgerald, who I believe is the actual voice of Nanamo. Maybe there's like a thing where she's in disguise at some point. I don't know. But Erin uh, Fitzgerald here, she's like an anime voice actor. There's nothing I can really... Uh, never mind. She's the voice of Chie uh, from, from Persona 4. So, you know, that's a big role. She's also Ramlethal in the Guilty Gear dubs. Yeah, pretty big role. Pretty big role. Uh, here, she is certainly doing a voice. Yeah, I, you know, it's just not. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm not a big fan of the voice performance for Air Anonimo, in English anyway. Uh, I, it's 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 a little rough. It's got this like, you know, all the voices in the English dub of the game are all trying to hit on this like specific like accent right like whoever was directing them um like giving them the voice direction for these characters they they seem to really want to like hit a specific accent like really hard like if they want you to sound like posh and british they want you to hit that hard if they want you to sound like a pirate they want you to hit that pirate accent hard and it is like you know it's 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 not very flattering (laughs) so we got baby voice nanamo by the way her japanese voice actor who obviously does not change maria isei uh, also voices another very famous and beloved Lalafeld woman who we will meet later in this expansion. Very much so, yes. Tataru Taru. That name will, will come to mean a lot. Uh, she is, you know, she's another, like, 
is sort of around um let's see yeah just like random anime women here and she's some lady in boruto yeah it's uh, actually <laughs> the fact that she voices nanamo and tataru is is interesting because i actually really like japanese nanamo like a lot like i think her performance is really really good but uh japanese tataru leaves something to be desired it's it's a little eh, it's it's a little it's a little you'll find out soon enough but it's 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 a little much she is also pan uh stalking from panty and stalking and the japanese dub voice for scootaloo from my little pony okay that's Um, hilarious meanwhile the big boy raubon now raubon's english voice you might know him somewhere else that is Jason Miller, a.k.a. J.C. Miller, a.k.a. the guy who sings Rules of Nature on the Metal Gear Rising Revengeance soundtrack. Oh, yes. And it is it is recognizable as him, actually. Like, it is genuinely quite recognizable. I don't know what his previous voice acting experience has been before not before this a lot not yeah. a lot you can um, tell <laughs> you can tell it's not a great performance i he's a great performer as a singer but i think perhaps was miscast as raban um not japanese now japanese raban now that's a whole other ball game that dude is perfect hiroyuki yasumoto is Guile in all of the Street Fighter games. Um, so, you know, we're already starting good here. Yeah, the bar <laughs> the bar is high. The bar is the bar is quite high. If you it like if you can think of like a tough, kinda rowdy, but like wise anime dude, this guy has probably voiced him. Um he is also Chad from Bleach. Um, you know, just he's he voices a lot of sturdy guys. Yeah. Oh, he, that's he's very a, he's funny. a bit of a he Chad is, himself, if you if he you is will. The, he is the ja- he is the Japanese voice for Grimoire Vice from uh, Near Replicant. That's pretty funny. So they, that is pretty funny. The, they're calling him the Japanese Liam O'Brien. <laughs> God. Uh, Merle Webb. Let's see here. Merle Wibbs, English voice, who I think is fine. Uh, she's, her name is Jean Gilpin. Um, not really a storied voice acting career. It seems like she might be a screen actor. Um, she, oh, she was a, she was a Skyrim voice. She's, oh, she's the voice of Meridia in Skyrim. Oh my a God. A new hand touches the beacon. God. Yeah, she I think she does a fine job, honestly, like of all of the of all of the people who voice like a president in in ARR, especially like I feel like she does the best job like uh, the acorn president. I don't know. She's just kind of boring. But also, that's just her character broadly. Um, Nanamo, you know, is Nanamo and Raubon is Raubon, but you know, Merowith largely does fine in English. Forget forget about English Merowith, because I'm gonna tell you about Japanese Merowith now, the one I hear. Mm-hmm. Atsuko Tanaka, Bayonetta, Poison. Let's see what else here. Trish from Devil May Cry. Kaine from Nier. Fucking 
Makoto Kusanagi. <laughs> yeah, no, the lady who gets to be Japanese Merowib is uh, a fairly experienced voice actor, and it shows she delivers a really, really good performance. Um, I think there's actually, there's there's a few scenes in ARR that I actually really, really like with her. Um, the um, there's, a, there's a Cartano flashback in our uh, very near future where I think her delivery is like, ooh, really nice. Yeah, she is the, oh, she, <laughs> she was Dr. Halsey in that CG Halo show. Oh my God. So yeah, she voices. She's a very good voice actor. She's very good as Merle Webb. She's got a lot of like very growly, very salty dog esque voice. But you know, with a with that that uh, that that kind of respect that something like that, that a person like Merle Webb would demand. Uh, like the, uh, I didn't know she voiced uh, the major from from Ghost in the Shell. That is very fitting, I think. Oh, totally! It's very very fitting. Yeah, yeah. The... But she basically, she basically, Merobe shows up to tell you, "Hey, you're fucking badass." <laughs> that's so funny. That's that's awesome, actually, because like that's that's about what I would expect for the uh, the Merowib like president meeting. Because like the Nanamo president meeting is very like formal, and everybody like stands at attention when they come in the room, and it's all very regal in this way. Uh, Merowib, I imagine, is a lot more down to earth. Very like. Very like, hey, good job, like slaps you on the back and knocks you into next week kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, she literally just shows up <laughs> at the fucking uh, thing. Also, fun note, she is the uh, pre-3D voice for Chun-Li. Like, third strike through uh, MVC or uh, SNK versus Capcom 3, yeah, she was Chun-Li. Oh, very so interesting. Um, so, how does, how does this go with the president meeting for you? Because for me, Nanamo is immediately like... We're throwing a banquet, baby. Yeah, basically the same. She's like, she, hey, I'm going to have a baller party. You want to come? And obviously you can't turn down the Admiral, so you say yes. But problem. You look like shit. You're an ARR leveling gear. Not fashionable. Not cool looking. Probably wearing like leather shorts and a really chunky piece of armor on your chest. So <laughs> Batteron's like, listen. I got you covered. Here's some shoes. <laughs> that guy, you know, that guy's always got you covered. Here's your cool shoes. See, for uh, for um, going to Nanamo's party, right? Modi also tells you, like, hey, you should probably dress up a little bit. Um, but the thing she gives you is a pair of earrings. And not because they're supposed to make you look better, but because apparently if you want to get into the Sultana's party, it's like a secret handshake thing. Everybody who goes to the Sultana's party has to wear special earrings so the guard at the door knows to let you in. Olda's weird, man. Olda's very weird. You also have to go get them custom made for you. Like, they don't just have these laying around. You have to go to the Goldsmiths Guild and they have to like specially like make this for you and they have to like get approval from like the president's office to do it yeah, he just gives you some shoes he just gives you some nice limson shoes batteron does uh so you go to the party and i assume that what happens here is uh for me uh yashtola and merlewib come to chat you up and for you i assume what happens is that thancred and raban come to chat you up Actually, you'd be surprised. Thancred 
I don't even think is at this party. Like, I don't think Thancred even shows up. I think he's just off doing something else. No, uh, Raubon hits you up, though. Raubon is like, hey, let's uh, let's have a friendly chat, because you kind of, like, uh, rotate around the room and just sort of go off into a corner, just kind of chill for a bit, uh, which makes a lot of sense. You know, I feel like a royal banquet would get kind of tiring after a few minutes. You just kind of find a nice quiet spot in the room to kind of hang out with your uh, your beverage. So... Yeah, it's very funny that Thank it fits, I think, that Thancred can't come to the Royal Sultana uh, dinner soiree, but Yishtola does get invited to Merlewib's more relaxed party, I think. I think that fits very well. Yeah, it's very funny. Like, Thancred just didn't get an invite. Either he didn't get an invite, or he's off He's off uh, doing, doing the ARR Thancred thing, which is getting the ladies... He doesn't have an ear piercing. That's the problem. Yeah, he's on he, that one. He just, he just can't go. Yeah, he he doesn't have his ears pierced. He asked if he could get a ring or something, but no, that has to be an earring. <laughs> Don't know why, but yeah. So I assume here that the same sort of thing happens, where as you're talking, your crystal of light begins to glow, and Merle Rib and Yashola, and in your case, Raban, go, oh fuck. You're one of those chosen ones. You're one of Heidelin's chosen. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah, pretty much. Raban's like, oh, I remember this. And then you have like uh, a a weird flashback to a to well, an experience did, you never had. I did write down that before before you get this flashback to as we later see is the Battle of Cartano. Merlewib kind of laments like. No one who fought alongside the Warriors of Light on, on the fields of Cartano could ever forget what it felt like. Like, they, they know exactly how it felt to be alongside those heroes, but no one can remember their faces or their names. Right. And she's, she's just like, I am, it, it is like, a, she's just so lamenting that, like, I can't remember those people, but yeah. I can remember how it felt. Yeah, Raban says something really similar, basically. It's, the Warrior of Light thing is, is actually kind of interesting, um... Just as a plot point, this idea of like um, everybody, like everybody remembers that there were a bunch of adventures that like helped save the realm, but it's it's like it's like forgetting, it's like having a word on the tip of your tongue that you can't quite remember. You know, you like you know it, but you also just don't know it at the same time. It's kind of neat. Like I like it as an idea. So then we get the flashback to the Battle of Cartano, which is it's the same for all paths, it's the same cutscene. Because what it is, is you are you are you are here to witness the kind of final stages of the battle. You're with the three uh the three leaders of state here, Raban, Merlweb, and Connie Senna, the leader of Gridania, who we haven't talked about much because we're not doing the Gridania path. Um I guess I should get Connie Senna's stuff here right like yeah might as well she's voice she exists technically she, she does exist the thing is the thing is um all the other presidents right have like kind of interesting stuff going on they have like a character they have like you know like intrigue that sort of thing uh connie sana d- doesn't really 
Uh, I mean, I did Gridania when I ran through Era the first time, and, you know, I'll, I'll cop to not remembering all of it super well. You know, it's been a little bit, but I don't really remember her having, like, any sort of interesting stuff going on. Like, she's, um, uh, a Pagel, I believe, specifically, which is, like, a fancy, um, like, forest elf style thing um there's only a couple of them that exist at any given time and they have like a special connection to the elementals who are like these spirits of the forest and that sort of thing so that's kind of neat but other than that she doesn't really have like a character other than i am the president with no characteristics yeah her affect is very flat uh, her English voice actor is Cindy Robinson. Uh, she's like, she's been around for a while. She is like most known for being the voice of Amy Rose for a while now, uh, from Sonic. Oh, you know what? I can totally see that. I like, wouldn't have thought of that, but now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. She's totally got like the same thing going on. She's also spattered around the Fire Emblem franchise like every other anime voice actor. <laughs> uh, she's, you know, various people around there. Uh, she is Mrs. Manini from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 Golden Wind. Shout out to uh, Yari Yari Boys. That is a running gag on that podcast. <laughs> um, our listeners will know who Mrs. Manini is. Uh, but yeah, other than that, she's just like, she's out there. She's voicing anime girls. She's in Pillars of Eternity. You know, all that stuff. She is, it, there's literally nothing to talk about with her performance. I genuinely think it is probably just bad direction. Like, yeah. I mean, like, what direction do they give you for the Acorn President, right? Like, she just doesn't have, like, anything going on. She's just supposed to sort of be a professional president lady she doesn't have like a personality in japanese she is voiced by rie tanaka who i think you know a, a more known name i feel i feel like rie tanaka comes up a lot in like anime voice actors uh she's mitsuru in persona 3 she is she actually has a lot of uh other roles in this very game including a few I won't name, but let's just say a certain mother of a pair of twins and a certain step warrior are also among her roles. Oh, yes. Uh, no, the... Her, her oh, and Garuda. Jap- and Garuda, of course. Uh, yeah, her Japanese voice actor is, like... She does try to give an affectation. She does try and give a performance. You know what? I give her credit for that. And, of course, the other characters she plays are phenomenal, so you can't can't really fault her on that one she's morrigan as well she's the japanese voice of morrigan ainsland and darkstalkers so you know we she has voice she she's a voice actor she knows how to do it it's just that you don't get a lot with connie senna yeah you get a lot more range out of the other two later on but connie senna's just like yeah she's just supposed to be very competent very cordial and ultimately it's not a very exciting character and I think that's why they don't use her very often for stuff. She's just not interesting like the other two are. Yeah, that's the thing. That's anyway, where... this yeah, this this cutscene basically is you 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 see 
all of these people getting reports from their various units out on the field. Here's the report. Shit's fucked. Everybody's dying. All the time. Yeah. It turns out that the Battle of Cartna went fairly poorly for everyone. Uh, the entire Garlean Legion basically exploded, but that doesn't mean that the armies of the Alliance got out any better, uh, because they didn't. No, as soon as the dragon popped out, it just started blasting everybody. Yeah, it didn't just blast everybody, it also, like, trapped a bunch of them, like, between huge walls of fire and explosions, uh, as the fire and explosions got closer, so, you know sort of a horrible fate uh to have bestowed upon you where you just like are watching your world turn into fire um and uh and eventually they sort of hit this point where all the presidents are like listen i know we're supposed to be holding the line until the adventurers and louis can stop all of this however literally everyone's going to die if we don't leave right now so they're all like yeah, okay, fair point. And they all start kind of packing up. Um, but Kane Sen is... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Kane Sen is like, listen, all right, you two leave first. You know, the the serpents and I will uh, will bring up the rear and, and try, to, try to hold out as long as we can for the adventurers. Yeah, Rabat in particular is very resistant to the idea of retreating. He, he thinks it's a cowardly move to abandon... Uh, the heroes who have, have kind of done so much for them. Yeah, Merowib um, is, like, pretty down for it, though. She's like, oh, yes. listen, you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah, she she knows when a battle is lost. Yeah, they, they all eventually decide we have, to, we have to retreat. We can't die here. Watching all of this from afar is someone who looks a little familiar. So we've got a black-masked robed guy like the guy we just killed earlier. Yeah, same also, mask, I believe, actually. But also we have the red-masked figure from the very beginning of the game. Yes, the guy that you sort of uh, blast with uh, with a limit break at the very start of the game. Uh, that's uh, that's this guy. Why is he so, here? He is looking at Bahamut. Off-screen, obviously, they couldn't afford to render Bahamut. <laughs> he has a um, very, uh, very expensive guy to get in your movie. And this guy is saying, would this... This fucking rules. This dragon is so cool. Uh, basically, he, he declares that soon the planet will regain its true form. And he cackles maniacally as like a nice evil yes. laugh. So, I don't know. Should we name this guy yet? It's not, it's not, it's not like his name is particularly spoilers. Uh, I thought... Does it come up soon? Is it? Is it like a while before he gets named? I, actually I guess it's remember. a while... We can talk about his voice now. So the, the red-masked Asian here. Uh, in English, he is voiced by uh, Kyle Herbert. Of course, most known, I feel, for being Ryu from Streets. Well, of course. Uh, in everything from Street Fighter 4 onwards. Now, the red-masked Asian in Japanese is Shuichi Ikeda. Char Aznable from Gundam. <laughs> Yay! And you know what? Kind of fitting, frankly. Uh, it's yeah. I, I honestly I don't mind either performance. Actually, uh, I do. I do sort of have a preference for the Japanese performance because I mean it is Char. I mean obviously, but like you know, I, I think they both do a good job. I like the there's there's a little bit more theatricalness 
to the ASEAN performances in English. Like they're very, yes. they're they're very like theatery in a way that I think is appealing. Um, whereas I, I feel the ASEANs in Japanese definitely like lean a lot harder on this sort of like, uh, like ethereal, uh, like like from the void style bad guy you know like like a sort of posh but like a very uh demon lord kind of guy you know what i'm saying yes i should say he is also shanks from one piece oh that's fun so yeah that that's who we're working with the japanese here yeah he basically laughs maniacally as you uh wake as you wake up in a bed not at the party um which is very funny so batteron wakes you up or at least wakes me up in my route and he says yeah you collapsed when you were talking to merlweb um and she had you brought back here uh but she wants to talk to you obviously because your conversation got interrupted by your uh your ass fainting in the middle of it god that's very funny out of curiosity does uh does he like is he like concerned at all that you passed out? Yeah, probably a little bit. But he's not like, "Are you okay? Do you need some water?" He's more like, ah, "I've been there before, buddy." That's so funny because Modi kind of does the same thing, right? Like you pass out too at the uh, at the party here, the Nanamo throws, and uh, and you wake up in the in room at the sand this the sandstorm. What what is? What is it? The sand. The quick. The, the quick uh, sand. The quick sand. That's right. Uh, yeah. I almost said the waking sands, but that's not for a while. No, we we don't pray return there quite yet. So, yeah. No, Mamodi wakes you up and is like, "Hey, uh, rise and shine, sleepyhead." You know, I I've been there before. You you crazy kids in your parties. You know, just uh, take it easy next time on the on the booze there, pal. And just sort of slaps you on the back and then uh, and leaves the room. Um. Yeah. So that's that's kind of hilarious, actually. That uh, that all of the uh, all the innkeepers are kind of just like that. I wonder, actually, I don't remember what Mother Mion's reaction is. I imagine she's probably a little bit more like concerned about the whole thing. But it would be pretty yeah. funny if she was also just like, uh, "Yes, I remember in my youth the parties." So you go to meet with Merlewib, and she has a job for you. She's like, "All right." You know, it's been five years since Cartano, and no one, no one's really wanted to talk about it for obvious reasons. Um, but she's like, I think it's time we move forward. I think it's time we officially memorialize the people who died at Cartano, and I want you to take these letters to the other two leaders of this of the city states via airship. I want you to be the official laments and ambassador uh, to. The, for, for this project yeah and... and and this is a big deal like the thing about the um the thing about the the post calamity or is right all of the city states have been very split up not because of necessarily rising tensions but more because air travel is dangerous people are worried about the garleans shooting down airships because they're still they're still out there the the uh, the fourteenth legion never really left. Yeah, they got decimated, but like they do still exist. Um, they got decimated in the traditional sense, which is to say reduced to one tenth of. 
Oh, well, what, wait, it's not, yeah, it's the 14th Legion was Vandarnus's. What is uh, Gaius's Legion? He had a different one, I think. Well, regardless, his boys are around. No, I think it is the 14th Legion. I'm pretty sure it's 14th Legion. It's I think the other, so, I think. That's right. Yeah, I think it's still hmm. the 14th Legion. So, like, they, they don't want to fly around as they normally would because of the threat of the of the Empire. But this is deemed an important enough, you know, thing that she's going to give you a full like full uh full per- full airship privileges yeah full access pass to uh to freaking uh, Eorzean airlines um what does what does Raban say does he have any like grand thing to to send you out on uh exactly the same thing he's also like hey it's been five years we should really memorialize uh all of the people who died at Cartano, which i gotta say waiting five years on that is uh that's that's a little bit of time uh to to do i feel i feel like people would get a little pissed off if it's been five full years and like nobody's done like a state funeral for all of these soldiers who died yeah that is a little weird i guess they had more pressing matters where it's like they had to rebuild a lot like all their shit got fucked up all their boats are gone all my boats gone um but but uh merle up here has like a has like a spiel for you to send you out she she tells you to go to hit a bataron because he knows places and then she says on behalf of limsa i bid you go forth adventurer discover the realm which so many have fought and died for wonder and danger await you in equal measure but turn not from either. Only by braving the unknown will you achieve the greatness of which you are surely capable. A very powerful quote indeed. Um, I did not write down exactly what uh, what Raubon said, but it's more or less the same general idea. Um, and, uh, and he sends you off, and you get on the airship, and you travel to Limsa Liminsa first uh, for, for me, which... Uh, by the way, I forgot to attune to the eighth right when I went there, so I'm gonna have to do that next time I log yeah. into the game. I think my first stop is Gridania. Maybe I didn't actually go there. Um, I stopped right before you get on the boat. Yeah, uh, I, I, I stopped immediately people. after I, uh, I I got to uh, to Lemensa, so. So, but I, I want to I want to say what Batteron tells you when you leave. I want I want I want I want you to hear what he says. What does he say when when you uh, when you leave? Um, Batteron has this to say about our our fine realm of Eorzea. I'm going to try to read this uh, phonetically here. <clears throat> Cause this is the only start. Now you got your hands on an airship pass. The old Eorzea is laid out before you. Like a fair maid on a feather bed. And she's a big girl, too, with plenty of enticing nooks and crannies. Holy shit, Baderon. Thank you for that, Baderon. Um, I don't want to look at your map of Eorzea. <laughs> Yours must look different than mine. Yeah, I, I, have, a feel, I have a feeling his uh, is, is a little bit more of a... Uh, I, I feel like he probably pins his up on the wall, perhaps. Um, That's what he sends you off with. Yeah, Modi sends you off with a slightly tamer sentiment, where she's like, "Hey, you know, don't 
go out there and 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 really and really make a name for yourself you know we're pro- we're proud of you and i'm 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 proud of you for for you know coming up and and really coming into your own here and you know don't don't forget to stop by and and get a free drink anytime you're here at old at old Mamodi's bar and it's it's pretty cute so she doesn't say Aorzi has a nice rack okay no she does not say Aorzi has a nice rack uh would be really funny if she did but uh but no that's a, that's a Baderon exclusive i think well now i well now we have an insight into what kind of lady Baderon likes so, <laughs> apparently you know Thank, thanks, Batteron. Uh, yeah, and so next time, I guess, we will be beginning our, our, our sort of city-hopping journey. We're going to see the sights, you know, smell the smells. Oh, man, I bet there's some parts of Old Odd that do not smell good. Oh, well, naturally. I mean, it's the middle of the desert. Uh, or Limsa, for that matter. Gridania probably smells pretty good. Yeah, it's like, it's like a fancy elf forest. It probably smells like you know flowers and that sort of thing yeah d- d- support us on patreon so we can make our city by smell tier list <laughs> god uh but yes that I, th- I think i can think of some cities in this game that would probably smell pretty bad oh yeah i mean listen there's there's quite a few locations to be seen um but we'll get to those in due time um for now though we've uh we've got we've got a few things to discuss in the uh in the spoiler zone it's true. So, for those of you who are playing current with us or don't want to be spoiled on everything, uh, we will leave you here. For everyone else, we'll see you on the other side of this break. the thing that um that uh that series of lifts and pulleys that you you found there is very yeah, interesting stylish. i'm not quite catching what you're getting actually am i forgetting a, an important series of lifts oh wait never mind yeah i was about I to now. say hey where's where's the alternate universe uh limsa limensa right where's where's vilbrand over in uh that's right that's over right in the first Skylift is the shitty alternate universe version of the lift yeah the ladder right i think it's called the ladder that's what that's what it is it's the ladder the gigantic mining elevator from the first yeah that the dwarves built over in uh norvrant which is like just this massive construction powered by uh not golems they're not called golems what are they called again what do they call them? Oh my god, Talos. I should remember what these... Talos. Yeah, Talos. That's what it is. Talos. Yeah, I remember now. I gotta hear it in that cat dude's voice. <laughs> Talos. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, yeah, I completely forgot about the ladder and how that would definitely be the, like, parallel to the to the Skylift. That's really funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And thinking about it, like, I'm trying to think about, like, Thanalan's sort of general sitch, like, where it's situated compared well, to other places. Uh, it's Amarang, right? Uh, is it Amarang? Because... City in the desert? It is... Amarang is a city in the desert. Mines? 
a lot of mines in Amarang. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I guess it is the same. I was thinking maybe it is no, because the twelves wood matches up too well to the to the Rakatik Great Wood. Yeah, it would definitely have to yes. be Amarang. There's not a lot of like direct parallels. I feel that I can think of between places you've been in Thanalan to Amarang. They're pretty different. Um, the Twelves Wood and the Rakatika Great Wood also kind of just like two forests. There's not a lot of like direct parallels, but the, the, what about, the latter is interesting. What about Ilmeg? What is Ilmeg? Is Ilmeg supposed to be Ishgard? Yeah, Ilmeg is Ishgard, remember? Because that's, um, okay. that's like, uh, that's where, oh, what was it? What was it called? Vor something? The 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 city that was there before right. uh before the, yep. the fairies took over. I do not remember what that city is called. Yeah, it starts with a V though. You yes. you you learn all about it when you do uh Vobert. Bre- Vobert. Yeah, Vobert. You learn all about Vobert and its fate when you do freaking Brendan's quest line. His name is Brandon. Brandon. Um, so yeah, yeah. I guess Amarang is definitely supposed to be uh, Ulda, and I mean the reason there's there's not many parallels is because Amarang was completely devastated by the flood, basically. Yeah, I mean it's still like half flooded, more or less. So there's very little recognizable stuff hanging out. I guess I would have to look at um, Twine. Is it Twine? Yeah, Twine's like the main again. the main thing there. We'll we'll probably look more carefully at that kind of stuff. Like once we get closer to heading to the first, you know, once we get close to Shadowbringers, we'll take a look at stuff like that. But like, I definitely think that um, Limsa Limsa and wow, how am I forgetting Yulemore? Limson, Limson, Yulmore are the clearest parallels in terms of, like, areas. Yeah. Cause... The cities look basically identical. Yes. They have they have a very similar plan. They're both coastal. They both have a big, la- the, a big like, mechanical thing set into the side of a cliff. Yeah. They're, they're very, very, very similar in that way. Like, the most visually, like, distinct of them, I think. Um, which makes sense, right? They're Lahabrea both, like, here? the islands. Uh, yes. Let's, yeah. let's talk about La Habrea. La Habrea is weird because La Habrea, I feel, was written before they had the tone they wanted to hit with the Asians. Yeah, that's like I am. I am always so weirded out by early Asian stuff because it's so vastly different after Shadowbringers. Yeah, well, they do a lot of like backwalking, right? Like, there's some stuff you know. Emmett talks about the idea of like. Um, actually, is it Emmett? One of them talks about the idea of using these, like, sundered Asians, the black masks, to go and sort of stir up trouble. And, that's Elidibus. Yeah. Elidibus talks about that. Elidibus talks about that, right. And talks about how that's, like, one of the ways that they sort of, like, manipulate the adventurers into, like, doing their bidding, like, to to sort of sow the seeds for rejoining. And yes. That all makes sense. They all did that very well. What I mean is the way La Habrea is, because he is a freak. He is a bit of a freak. He's, like, very maniacal, like, very, like, you know, twirls his mustache kind of guy a little bit. He's He's got this, the, he's got an energy to him that is very inconsistent with, uh, I think, the energy that the other Unsundered kind of put forth. Like, Elidibus and Ebbet Selk are very different with the way they deliver themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, it's because he's a JRPG villain in like a very stock sense. He and Gaius aren't so different in that in that uh, in that matter, right? And later, once Gaius returned, he got a lot more depth and complex and complexity to his character. La Habrea, for the most part, does not have that luxury, except maybe what will what we will see soon in the next set of Pandemonium raids. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we're the 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 jury's still out on like what La Habrea's deal is because um, we really don't know that much about him but like you know once once we know we'll 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 talk about that probably a little more in the uh, in the dank corners of the spoiler zone but uh like, I, i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about Hebrea now so he dies in heaven's word very early on in terms of the story oh yeah like in in heaven's word proper even not even any of the any of the uh uh, the post patches there yeah he gets his ass rocked the- by thordan which is really funny by the way that thordan's the one that takes out la Habrea and you're the one who takes out like Igiorum. like yeah. like they don't even let the player take out la Habrea. it's like nah pope does it grandpa grandpa has to do it and we basically don't hear anything else about his character other than stuff you'd have to infer from amarat and dungeons and whatnot until um pandemonium and what's interesting is what we get from pandemonium is la habrea sounds like a kind of cold guy not necessarily you know the passion one could say that he exhibits in arr isn't particularly there he's very cold he's very absorbed into his work and he doesn't it's interesting everyone respects him you get the sense that everyone respects la habrea but no one seems to like la habrea yeah you get the sense that he's the kind of guy who's like just generally unlikable but he is really good at his job and his job in this case is basically taking care of well actually he's he's got like more he does more than just run pandemonium right like he does other stuff too he is technically like pandemonium is a part of his branch he is technically in charge of pandemonium but he's like the superintendent of pandemonium basically he's got other guys to deal with that yeah he's like broadly in charge of taking care of like the creatures that are created that are a little bit too rowdy right like the guys they gotta lock up that's that's basically his his steez which i mean it does make sense that like the asian like animal control specialist would be like kind of a kind of like a cool and i mean that in the like in the literal sense like sort of a chilly guy like just a very like no nonsense like low emotion style of guy because like you think about how did the how did the ancients like actually like view their creations they're really detached from it you know, they didn't really have a lot of, like, empathy for these creatures. Like, Hermes was an exception. Of course, he felt that empathy really, really hard. But most people just sort of saw them as, like, constituent components just sort of tossed together. Like, rip them apart, turn them into something else, who cares kind of thing. So it makes sense that, like, the jailer of all the, like, troublesome ones wouldn't really be, you know, the nicest guy. Yeah, and it's also interesting, one other thing about La Habrea, 
he is the only Asian we have ever seen who possesses still living flesh. He possesses Thancred while he is not dead. Every other Asian only inhabits bodies that are already dead. Or who never had a soul to begin with, like Emmett Selleck's endless array of soulless yay galvis clones yeah which is really interesting actually like that's very Wait, very interesting never mind there's one other there's one other asking who did that oh it was him at selk he i am pretty sure possessed and destroyed the soul of the actual soulless yay galvis oh right I, yeah i believe that's what happened there because soulless used to just be some guy yeah that's true actually although that also might not be the case because during his his big monologue right before Amaroth, the dungeon, he says that he has lived a thousand lifetimes. He might have purposefully incarnated as some random guy. That's true. He could have. Like, that That makes it a lot of sense. hard to tell with Emmet Selig because yeah. he is a very complicated man. La Habrea, though, the only one we see actually on screen possessing a living thing yeah he he does just sort of overshadow thancred in this way and that's and that's very interesting right like it's interesting that you never see anybody else do it i feel like it's sort of one of those things that's like not like an ethical line right like i don't think that you know this the unsundered are like worried about the ethics of you know puppeting somebody in that way but i think it's kind of like they just don't do it because it's more inconvenient to them right or or like maybe beneath them in a way like there's there's a specific thing that ends up happening when you're in um uh when you're in elpis where emmet selk sort of gets really embarrassed at the idea of like transforming and like creating like a like different body for himself in order to perform a task because there's there's a point where you got where you've got to like get some magical flying horses to come back down to the ground and uh you know hithlidaeus is like hey you know emmet selk's pretty good at flying around and transforming and stuff you should get him to do it and emmet selk is like taken aback and like embarrassed at the idea that he would do it because it's like it's it's like egotistical and like extremely embarrassing to like basically show off your fursona to everybody. Um so I have a feeling maybe maybe there's something to it like that, right? Like maybe it's like embarrassing for them to to invade somebody's body while they're still alive. Yeah, or it just feels weird. Like they don't want someone else in there. Um and like yeah, the other situations we see is that Elidibus it inhabits the body of Xenos when his soul is not currently there. He inhabits Ardbert's body. Like they don't, they don't do this stuff. But I think, yeah, I think Lahabrea just like at this point does not really care about etiquette, or maybe he's some kind of weirdo who just likes it. Yeah, maybe he's just a weirdo. Who who's to say? I mean, to be fair, it like do we actually see Lahabrea before he takes over no. Thancred? uh here in cartano like, yeah flashback like what i'm wondering is like do we actually see when thancred gets taken over because i'm wondering <sighs> if maybe like lahabrea just like 
didn't have a vessel at that time for some reason. It's it's from a pendant, right? Like he gets a pendant or something. I forget how he actually gets possessed, but it's not through the usual manner. Yeah, it's it's something like that, which is really strange actually. I'm like I'm looking forward to like getting back to that point error because like I am interested to see like what actually happened there because it's been so long. I genuinely don't remember exactly how Thancred gets possessed. That'll be exciting to figure it out because yeah, that's one of the weirdest things about La Habrea. Um But yeah, I mean, here, I mean, what else is there to discuss? We the the Battle of Cartano. That's pretty much over and done with here like we know everything that happened there pretty much yeah hilariously like the battle of cartano despite being like the thing that shapes the foundation of the rest of the game really doesn't come up that much uh in a lot of places like after this and i guess i I guess it comes up a few other times um there's a couple like solo duties you do in cartano way 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 later in the game but you know broadly you just you just don't really talk about it that much because it's like this it's it's very like self-contained in this way which makes a lot of sense right like it's supposed to wrap up 1.0 basically in a night with a neat little bow on top so we can just move on from it yeah similar to the black mast assians right they never really come up again after this unless you're doing the summoner quest line yeah which is like its own thing and i think you'll get to that at some point i'm pretty sure summoner is on your your chopping block to deal with oh for sure i mean i'm an arcanist so it's definitely gonna be on there um specifically i think there's even la habrea's branch of like black masked assians so you know oh that's hilarious yeah no that'll that'll be interesting but uh but yeah other than that i mean there's not really much else to say other than that if you didn't find Kane Senna interesting now, unfortunately, she never does much else. No, she really doesn't. But I'll tell you what, if you really need something interesting about Kane Senna, next time you see an image of her, just look at look at her necklace. It's like a cow. It looks like a cow upside down. And now you'll never be able to unsee that. You know who Kane Senna is? She's the one with the best house. She's where they, they always meet in that fucking glade. That's true. They do like the elves, the fucking forest elves do have like the best like oval office, right? It's not even an office. It's just in the middle of like this idyllic little uh, like pond, like this, this beautiful little koi pond in the middle of uh, the forest. I, I presume that's why they all hang out with her. <laughs> yeah, they just like hang out at her house. Uh God. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, that'll do it. Well, that'll do it for us for this week. We didn't get to a lot of content because there's a lot of story to get through here. But uh, but next time we'll be hitting up the first dungeons, which uh, I'm pretty excited to get to actually. Because they have been reworked since we last played them. They are completely new. They are. Well, some of them are. Some of them are. I actually don't know if the first Sastasha are, is different. I think I think Sastasha might be the one they didn't change. Yeah, so Sasha might be but the they same. Re- they re- <laughs> because that was basically properly structured anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a little unfortunate they didn't change it actually because Sasha has like problems, but we'll get to those. Oh yes, well yes. Until next time when we finally delve into the dungeons. I have been one of your hosts, Nero, and I've been the other host, Jane. And we will see you, fellow adventurers, in the realm of Eorzea.